Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? Uh, what's up? Basketball is back, Ooh, Andrew. Uh, any uh, any thoughts from last night? Did you watch the festivities? Uh, I did. First thoughts. I, I was I was rewatching the intro. Yeah. Of course, you forced me to watch it. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me that there is like a <laughs> there was a pretty passionate. Uh, argument among some down to dunk fans about Cracklin' Oat brand on Twitter this week. Yeah. Uh, every time I was checking Twitter, I had a new notification. Not about me, just people discussing Cracklin' Oat brand in my mentions <laughs> and going back and forth about it and some really strong opinions out there, I would say. Uh, I'd argue that no one has done more for the Cracklin' Oat brand brand than down to dunk. <laughs> Uh, well, I, de- I you specifically, I don't want to be associated with this cereal. You should try I just, it, man. It's delicious. I just liked that there was a comment that was like, well, first of all, you're doing it all wrong. You need to soak them in the milk <laughs> for a little while to get the right texture. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is this cereal? Uh, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Last night started off with uh, Celtic Sixers. Yeah. Um, I thought both games had pretty entertaining first halves. And then as it went on, yeah. the teams kind of separated themselves. Uh, the Celtics, like the my initial takeaway was, man, I just did not realize how thin they were. Uh, mm. The the big rotation. You're talking about Noah Vonley. Yes, like when he he's the first guy off the bench. Yeah, and I something. was like, how is he the first guy off the bench? And then Blake Griffin shortly followed him thereafter. A guy who, I mean, Noah Vonley has been on a ton of teams, and then Blake Griffin we thought was basically done, and then he had that like magical twenty minutes. In the playoffs, which I think that they still lost those minutes, but it was like, oh, Blake Griffin's looking spry, and I was super worried. Like watching that first half, like how are they going to survive this time without Robert Williams? And then, of course, they still win. Like yeah. they, they ended up pulling away in the second half. But yeah, that that was kind of a shock to me. Plus, coming off the heels of that Shams report yesterday that Robert Williams might miss half the season. I know. Um, and then there were there was some back and forth there where the team said like the timeline hasn't changed, um, whatever it was initially. So I I don't know I'm 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 intrigued by how that's going to work going forward. Now now they were playing Joel Embiid so they like had to kind of play big. Mm-hmm. You know they won't have to do that every night. They can probably get away 
with Grant Williams as the backup five most nights. Yes, and Grant was awesome. Yes. Yeah. So so yeah. So I mean, Boston was outside of that was kind of a- as advertised. I mean, mm-hmm. they look very deep. Jason Tatum looks like an MVP candidate. Like yeah. they 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 looked really good. And the Sixers, did, did you see that uh, that tweet? I, uh, Micah Adams tweeted it about how many times James Harden dribbled the ball last night. No. First of all, James Harden was like very good. He, he was he was great in the good. first. Yeah, he was the reason why they were in the game in the first half. It, it, yeah, if you picked him in fantasy, you're feeling amazing today. Yeah, you feel good. Yeah. He dribbled the ball 525 times in game one. Now, as comparison, Tyrese Maxey was second with 184. Yeah. For context, Russell Westbrook, during his MVP season, mm-hmm. he averaged 494 dribbles per game. So it was above that average in that game last night, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, wow. That's, that's a lot. That's kind of wild. That's a lot. I mean, he must dribbling. be feeling good. He must be feeling good. <laughs> he's if he's dribbling the ball that James much. James Harden's back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. I. The thing with this Boston team, and it's – it's similar to what the Thunder will go through in the next few years. And Sam even mentioned it in his press conference is just aligning these guys primes and like when their primes intersect is what this is all about. You know, I mean, if you think about it, like Tatum and Brown have been together. It seems like forever, but this might be the first year where their primes are starting to actually intersect because Jason Tatum's 24, Jalen Brown's 26. Like yeah. those are, and these are like really the first years of a player's like true prime, like 24, 25, 26. I can't and believe Tatum's only 24. I know. This is this is the year where things should start to come together. And this is I mean, the Thunder are still a ways away. They obviously you have Shea who's gonna start to enter his prime in the next year or so. Be like, Giddy's four years away. <laughs> from being the age of Jason Tatum. So it's those years that I think that you anticipate as a Thunder fan and like as a part of this plan is the intersection of those primes. And Chet's a, a little closer to that age. And I think it's more about like years of experience in the league than it is necessarily about age. But, you know, when those guys start to intersect, there's not going to be a lot that can stop them. And we saw that last night with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And they have... They have good players around them. Like Al Horford's good. He wasn't great last night, but he's a solid player that knows how to play the game. Grant Williams was great. Brogdon, Derek White, Marcus Smart. Like that's a fine trio of guards. Um, But it's really just about the intersection of primes with Tatum and Brown than it is about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they look good. And for the Sixers, I mean, it's just one game and it's a very tough opening game to go to Boston, yeah. the team that I'm pretty sure they were like the number one defense last year and have to play them on opening night. Uh, that's a really tough assignment. And I would say there was more good to take away than bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Embiid didn't have an amazing night. Um, like obviously the defensively, that was what people were kind of harping on throughout the game. Sure. But you you look at the box score and it's like everyone is still producing. Like it's it's I, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna obviously freak out about the Sixers after one game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could also see if you were a Sixers fan, there was like enough there. If, like if if you didn't believe in Doc Rivers, 
which you probably didn't. Yeah. And then like first game, you're probably already you're already thinking about it. <laughs> like if they don't get off to a hot start, is Maury gonna make a move there? <sighs> I saw some tweets about that already. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. After one game but, against a team that went to the finals, and I know that there's a ton of turmoil around the team and you have like the yeah. Joe Missoula, like what is what like who is this guy? What is how is he he's coaching an NBA team now? And they you know, it's funny, they introduce him like, over the loudspeaker as the interim coach and it's just like oh gosh it's just like this like constant reminder of oh, like man. the situation because like and your interim yeah. coach is joe Missoula, you know so, yeah oh, gosh like, can, can we drop that can we just say coaching the team is joe Missoula or something because yeah. <laughs> like that is just it's just like something that just like snaps you right back into oh yeah you make Udoka. like that's a weird but situation. yeah I, I fully anticipate the sixers will be very good they're going to beat up on a lot of the bad teams yeah and, and then I'll just come down to matchups in the playoffs. But they're, they're going to be good. Um, and then the second game. Hey boy. So I would say coming out of that first half, yeah, the timeline, the Twitter timeline, people were like bloodthirsty. Like they wanted the Lakers to be terrible. Yeah, I felt like they were doing a lot of projection mm-hmm. because like in that first half, they're down by seven. They shot miserably. And they're down by seven to the defending champs. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I watched that first half and yes, there was like some ugly stuff, but at the same time, it's like, this is fine. Like the Lakers looked fine given the circumstances of like who they're playing. The fact that like Dennis Schroeder, Troy Brown Jr., uh, uh, Thomas Bryant are all out. Yeah. Like I thought they looked fine. Yeah. And so like, yeah, Anthony like, Davis no, no was, one, Anthony Davis looked great in the first he half did. in particular. Yeah. And I, like no one is thinking that the Lakers are in the same class of teams as the Warriors. Like they're, right. the expectation is that they're going to get beat, and so mm-hmm. I thought that first half was actually kind of encouraging, but then the second half, it just like blew wide open, and and that's where you started to like go back to last season, and where 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 watching the Lakers just kind of becomes like entertainment because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's so bad. But yes. I actually thought like that first half. And we, we were texting about it and we were joking because they were they were playing this like five out offense on a lot of possessions mm-hmm. where every single guy was beyond the three point line. And we were joking about it because like none of these guys outside of, I guess, Beverly can really shoot. So like, whoa, I don't even know why the Warriors were out guarding them at the three point line, but it actually did help Westbrook because for once the lane was open for Westbrook and Mm -hmm. he actually had some really nice drives and finishes at the rim. Like that Westbrook we saw last night was not the Westbrook that we saw last year. I I thought he did look improved. Now, of course he ends up having the, the, not just an air ball, like a pretty significant air ball was not close when he shot that corner three in the second half. But I actually thought, I thought Westbrook looked fine. He looks fine. It's still, it's still an ultimately a terrible fit. Yeah. But it looked fine. Yeah, for the most I, part, I'd I'd like to see them against like a middling competition, you know. And it was well, you're not going to get that opportunity, Andrew, because they I play know. like the it's, Clippers, the Nuggets twice. It's brutal. They have such a hard. They, they're going to play the Blazers. I think that's their like third or fourth game. That that's one that I'll watch. That that is like a true okay. Who, who are we? If they get killed by right. the Blazers, then it's like all right. Well, yeah. this is not this is not good. Because the Warriors, with their rotations, they were kind of just... It felt like they were kind of playing around a little bit. You know, they they didn't play the young guys a ton of minutes. But 
you know, they got them enough minutes out there. And they played some lineups where it was like exclusively young guys out there. Yeah. You know, and got away with it. Uh, you know, against good teams, you're not going to be able to do that. But, you know, they, it felt like they were playing with their food a little bit throughout the night. You know, they had, I mean, they had a lot of turnovers last night. I think 18 turnovers. Uh, that's a lot. You know, they were very sloppy with the basketball. They were not sharp. Defensively, they were fine, but they weren't sharp either. So there, there's – the Warriors are really good, <laughs> I guess is my point. They are, Because they, they really took care of business last night. I mean, they could have won by 25, you know, pretty easily had they and, you know, shown up a little bit more. And last night was – in some respects, like a proof of concept for this whole bridging the timelines thing. Mm-hmm. Because you did get some really good minutes from James Wiseman. Yep. I've always liked Moses Moody, and I thought Moody played well like in his role. Kaminga yep. is the one where I still don't totally get it. Um, yeah, he, and I'm confused by the Kaminga hype behind some people. Because I just... You see flashes of it, but... You don't see it put together for long enough for you to, for me to feel like, like Zach Lowe and he, like Barkley before the game was talking about how much of a Kaminga guy he was. I'm like, I, I don't, I just don't know how you can be so in on somebody like that today. Yeah, especially on this team. Like of all those three guys, right. he's the one that stands out the most as like not a Warriors guy. Like in Got terms of how they traditionally, you, you think of how a Warriors player would play. I mean, Watching Kaminga, like on some of his drives, he's got a little Darius Baisley in him. Where, like, oh, once he's no, driving, no. like, it, that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's not looking to pass. He's going to try to figure out if three guys collapse on him, he's still going to throw it up. Yep. And I promise you, the he, reason the Thunder didn't draft him was because of the decision making stuff. Like, I can, I can, you yeah. can bank that because you look at the rest of the guys the Thunder have drafted over the past few years, it's like all decision makers. And, like, that's just not Kaminga's game. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you can't succeed in the NBA. Just like I've talked about Baisley. It doesn't mean Baisley can't have any NBA success. It's just harder, especially in a Warrior system that's based on decision-making and a Thunder system that's based on decision-making. It's just hard to thrive. And and so, like, with Moody and Wiseman, it all kind of makes sense. Like, the roles that they're in yep. make sense for this point in their development. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kuminga, and I know this sounds weird, but, like, I almost would prefer him on like a, a team like Houston where yeah. he can just try to be the man and we could see what he really is. Yeah. Um, because as of now, like, yes, you do see the flashes, the athleticism, like at his size, like how strong he is. The fact that he can even attempt to guard LeBron. Yeah. Like he, he has, like he's incredibly strong, but I just, I can't see the the future yet with him. Whereas with the other two guys, I can kind of see it more clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's how I felt last year, too, with him. And last night didn't, yeah. didn't change that at all. Al, the Thunder played Timberwolves tonight. 7 p.m. Crazy. Standard time. Snuck up on me. It's here. The season is Whew. finally here. We, I, I didn't get to uh, empty the preseason notebook with you, Al. And <laughs> oh, our, yeah. Let me get out my notebook, get out, get out your preseason notebook. Uh, I, I want to know your thoughts. Because we, so we did a, we did two podcasts the week before I left yeah. for vacation, and then I was on vacation for a week, which was like most of the preseason. Uh, so what what are your what are your big takeaways from preseason play, and maybe what could translate to the regular season? 
Uh, big takeaways are just how uh, I, I'm questioning how flexible Dagnot will be when everyone's healthy. Like h- how set is the rotation in his head versus is he really committed to playing, you know, 14 or 15 guys and rotating them night to night? Because I was going back to last year's uh, box scores at the mm-hmm. beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Now they got blown out by oh, the it was, Rockets. It was and, so and in that bad. game, like everyone played. So yeah. I went to like their first kind of close game, which was against the Sixers. They lost by 12. Yeah. Which still isn't like a close that. game. Yeah. And he played. He only played nine guys more than 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then Trey Mann played nine minutes, 52 seconds. Poku played six minutes, 43 seconds. Yeah. Uh, you look at another game when they played their first win over the Lakers. Mm-hmm. He only played eight guys over 10 minutes. That made sense. Well, it actually, it kind of made sense at the time. And we were, we were kind of screaming for like, we want more Trey Mann. We want more Poku. Yeah. Because especially with like Less Poku. Teo. Yeah. Less tail, yeah. Especially with Poku because he had had that second half of the season the year prior where yeah. we were starting to feel positive. Yep. And then he comes in the new season and he's getting like five minutes in a game. Yeah. And you're like, what What are we doing? You know? He was tightening the screws. He was just trying to get those screws he a was, little tighter. He, he was tightening the screws. And so, like, I don't even know how you attempt to only play eight guys over 10 minutes with this current roster. And so I'm really interested to see if the game is close. It's yeah. always possible that Wolves could be amazing game one and and blow the thunder out. But if the game is close, even if he's playing 11 guys over 10 minutes, like you, you already are making significant decisions about the development time of those players. Yeah. And it, and it, by all accounts, everyone's healthy, right? Or is Muscala still a question? Muscala is a question, but everybody else is ready to go. Yeah. I think I wouldn't expect Mike to play to start the season. Um, However, you're right. They are going to have to make decisions early on. But the thing is that they will find development time for players as the season goes on. So, like, if we don't see Jang immediately, which very well may happen... Uh, We will do an emergency pod and complain about it. We will complain about it because I think that's a mistake. But that might happen. And... But it doesn't mean that there's no time for Jang this season. They are going to, I mean, really this year and next year is just almost just like an experiment. Like, what do we have? Like, what do we have here? Who who I, can play? Who can't? How do we, f- and how do you figure that out? You have to give people time on the court. And it's, it's, there's going to be no set rotation for the season. There may be a set rotation for like a couple of weeks and then they're like, all right, now it's time to change it up. I think that's how it will go. So I agree with that, except I do feel like it's different from last year because the guys who are on the fringe of rotation minutes, we're a lot higher on than in oh, years Oh, without past. a doubt. And, and this is why I think it was so good that, that and a lot of people are like, they, tra- they traded too many picks in the Jang trade. They traded three picks. I think it's so good that they don't have four picks in that draft because they would have had four picks in the 23 draft potentially. Oh, and yeah. you don't, you don't have time or minutes for those guys. Yeah. You bringing in one guy, I think is good, but you get basically two full seasons with the neck with next season. You get one additional player, but you have really two full seasons to take a look at what you got. 
you have a ton of assets pushed out into the future. I think they have 15 first round picks and 13 second round picks. They've got a ton of picks that they can, you know, mess with in the future. It's these two years, I think, is the time to figure out, okay, who are these guys? I think you can feel confident about what we know about Josh, Shea, potentially Chet, and Dort. And then, like, everybody else, it's like, okay. And, like, guys like Ken Rich, like, I think that you know what you've got. But let's figure out what we've got in, in J-Dub. Let's figure out what we've got in Usman Jang. And I think two full seasons is enough. I mean, the Thunder essentially said two seasons was enough for Teo. We've seen enough. He's gone. You know? Right. We've seen enough of Ty Jerome. He's not going to be on the Thunder whenever we start to, to climb that second mountain. Get him out of here. I think that these next two seasons, we're going to figure that out too about guys like Trey Mann. Like, who is Trey Mann? You know, I think that that's what these next two seasons are about. Um, and what kind of stinks about the Chet piece is that Chet is going to shape the way this team plays and the pecking order and everything. And it it delays knowing what that is. You know, which I think is kind of kind of a shame, and it might it'll inflate guys this year like Dort and even Trey Mann to a level that maybe they really won't be whenever this team is like actually ready to go. Yeah, and I think that a listener was DMing me with some concerns about you know in our heads we're 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 feeling better about the spacing we're we're, we're thinking that this team is going to be playing more functional basketball lineups than they were last year but you start really looking at it and there's still so many questions about the shooting like if JRE and Poku are starting yeah with Dort and none of those guys have made a significant leap and yeah. they're still and now they're playing with Giddy and Shea again like you're running back into some of those same issues mm-hmm. um with you know slightly different names like maybe it's not Baisley shooting 29% from three but it's not like you've made some significant upgrade yet which will come with someone like Chet next year yeah no question yeah yeah they're gonna lose a lot of games this year mostly because their average age is 23 years old and 23 year old teams lose games like that. But Andrew, they're also going to win a lot of games because they got their hard hats on and their lunch pails, <laughs> and they're going to come in and clock in, Andrew, and they're going to clock out with a win. Uh, Did you consider that? Uh, I hadn't considered that. I am really fascinated to see what the offense looks like with Shea because Shea's going to play, which is very exciting. Uh, one, I think that it helps dispel national narratives around Shea. Um, oh, like, my gosh. You know, I, which I think is a good thing. But I'm also interested to see how they play, like what the style of play looks like. Because in the preseason, they played fast. And I think that that was so helpful for guys like Poku. Like Poku looked really good in the preseason, and it's because they were playing fast and there was pacing. And there was also like great space on the court because they were able to move the ball and there was player movement and all that. It was great. Shea is more, is a, he plays a slower pace than the rest of those guys were playing. And to me, Shea has to adjust to the team a little bit, and I'm interested to see what that looks like, um, to see if he can play within the flow of this offense and what it looked like in the preseason. Because like J-Dub was like right in with it. Obviously, it's a great 
style of offense for a guy like Giddy, um, and even Usman Jang. Like those are like this is what it's going to be. Trey Mann played well in it. Like, can we get Shea? Like, uh, and I don't think that he's like not bought in, but like let's. I'd like to see if he can, you know, up his pace a little bit because he is more of like more intentional like player that can slow things down a little bit. So that's one thing that I'm looking for tonight. I'm interested to see how they handle the big rotation. Um, yeah, because it. Because it's 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 so interesting with Chet out, you kind of realize like all the talent on this team is like in the guards and wings. Oh yeah, and Which there's glaring. Like honestly, it's a great thing. It, it, Especially it is with and Chet it, and, waiting in you know waiting in the wing with his boot on. You know, like it's well, and especially thing. like not even holding on to Derek Favors. Like I feel like that's a big thing too. I oh mean, yeah, Derek Favors in some of these early season games I was looking at last year is playing like 28 minutes oh. a game. Yeah, he's he would clearly be probably the best big man on the team. He probably would be, and I don't know why the Trailblazers haven't signed him. Um, he would be a good Blazer. Their backups right now are Drew Eubanks, yeah, and Olivier Saar. I think it is um, Olivier Saar. Yeah, he signed it two way with them. <laughs> Yikes! But I'm interested to see how they use those positions because. Knowing that all of the talent or most of the talent on this roster is in those guard and wing positions, who are they moving up first? Like yeah. who who is the guy that they feel most confident? Which I think is Kenrich because they've already done it with Kenrich. Yeah. But I really want to see how do they use the power forward minutes tonight. Yeah. Is is Poku the starter? I suspect he will be just based on preseason. Uh, the, but the screws are tight on Poku. Nothing nothing would shock me. I mean, Kenrich started, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, if if J Dub started at the four, I'd be like, "Whoa!" I'd be excited. I'd be a little surprised by Kenrich. I, I think that they like to play Kenrich with the second unit just to play him with inexperienced guys. I think that's yeah. like part of his role as like kind of a coach out there with the second unit. But maybe they would. I I don't know. I don't know what Mark's going to do. He said he wasn't going to reveal his starters yesterday. So it's rude, rude. It's a little rude. Mark. He's got to do it eventually. He does. Ticking. What's your prediction? Give me your starting five prediction. Uh, based on the preseason, I would just go with that same group. So Shea, Giddy, Dort, uh, Poku, and Jerry. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I would not be shocked if Bays, like Bays, would probably be my next pick. Yeah. Just because of familiarity. Yeah. Um, with the coach, I I, I could totally see him starting and it's it's interesting we all we we kind of were targeting this game as like this game is going to be so different from all the other games because it's rudy gobert and carl anthony towns like that's yeah. a really unique big lineup at the same time like we saw in the playoffs like you can throw a small guy on rudy gobert <laughs> like it doesn't really matter as right. long as you have someone who's willing to just like hold up against him yeah exactly it's not like he's going to go joel Embiid mode on you right so so they they maybe can get away with a little bit more than I thought in my head. So maybe they have a little bit more flexibility than we think. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would stick to that preseason lineup in terms of a guess. Not necessarily it's my like ideal, but that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really interested to see. Like, let's say let's say it's a close game, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Some of these close games last year, he's he was playing Shea like 38 minutes a game. Yeah. 
he was playing Dort like 37 minutes in in one of these games. That's a, that's the thing that people is that going to change? Well, that's the thing that people miss is that like Mark was trying to win games. <laughs> that's a part of his. That's yeah. a part of what he's trying to do. He's trying to win games with this group, which is that's his job, and the player's job is to win games. They're just not ready to win yet. They're just they don't have the experience. They don't have the the mental toughness. They don't have the desire to to be team only. You know, there's just a lot that they don't have yet, and that's okay. Uh, but still, their assignment is to go and win games. And I think that people, the, the I mean, the front office, the coaching staff, no one would ever tell these guys like, "Hey, have you seen this Victor Wimbenyama guy?" Like we need to, uh, we need to, you know, put up some bricks for this guy. Did you see they they brought him up to uh, Devin Vassell? Oh, they and, did. Uh, yeah, he just like completely dismissed it. And he was like, "We're hooping." Like, I don't, I don't care about that guy. Oh my gosh, that is just. I mean, I guess I don't know if I credit or discredit the person that brought it up to him, but you know, well, I mean, yeah. Like, what is the player going to say? Like, oh, he's so good, I can't wait to. Oh man, I hope we lose a lot of games so we can get that guy. We need him. We need that guy. Yeah. You know, no player's going to think that way. Like at this point, especially in a guy like Devin Vassell, in his career, he's thinking about himself. He's thinking about how can I get better? How can yes, how am should. I going to establish myself as an NBA player? I'm not thinking about who my teammate's going to be next year. You think about that in the next summer when yeah. the lottery comes around and when the draft comes around, sure. But not now. <laughs> not after you just finished training camp. You don't think about that guy. But yeah, so that Sixers game, Shea played 38 minutes. In the Lakers game, he played 37 minutes. Yeah. Like, in our heads, when when I, when I was even trying to do the exercise of like, let me just map out like game one rotation. Yeah, I had Shea down for like thirty two minutes just just to try to fit other guys in. But the reality is, he probably is going to play a lot of minutes because it's SGA. He's the um, best player by far right now. Yeah. yeah, which which just makes tonight so interesting to see what Dagnault's first stab at a rotation is. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I do think that tells you a lot about how he feels about these different guys, whether it's just comfort because he knows them or whether they're, they've been so good in preseason, he feels from game one, I have to get this guy minutes. I feel like that will tell us a lot, especially with the young guys. Like if he, if he comes out and he's playing Usman Jang, even like 10 minutes in game one. I feel very good. I feel very good would, about that. I would feel heart. very good. Yeah. If he's playing J-Dub like 20 minutes in game one, I'm excited. Yeah, it's like okay. He already, if not believes in him, he like wants to see it. Game one. Yeah. NBA environment. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I I'm very intrigued, and that's the thing. If you look at it's it's just wild to think about because it's only been two drafts, but think about how different the team is today from when the season ended two years ago, and like how many guys were on that squad that just didn't matter. You know, Svee, shout out Svee, Svee still to, matter. Shout out to Svee, I mean, Isaiah Roby, who's obviously on the team, like Justin Jackson played on that team, Jalen Horde played a lot of minutes, Josh Hall, we had like a lot of Josh Hall minutes, you know, Gabby Deck, Moses Brown, Charlie Brown Jr., Tony Bradley, it's just like, man. And then they, well, <laughs> they flipped it to just, like, all those guys I named were just like so inconsequential. Um, but, but what was funny about it is as fans – 
we're obsessing about two-way guys as if like we need to find this diamond in the rough. Yeah. Which which they did to some extent with Lou Dort, but it, it was always going to be different because of the picks. Like we, we were almost thinking about it as if we were like the Bucks, and right. like we have this one spot at the end of our roster. Ooh, I'm kind of interested in this guy. And ultimately, it's just very hard for those guys to make it on a team like the Thunder when there's going to be a new influx of highly rated prospects every single year. Yeah, I know. It's 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 pretty wild to think about the flip. Even just the summer, adding the talent that they added the summer is pretty astonishing. You know, just the way that we feel about the team heading into the season, you know, compared to even last year. You know, whenever they did add you know, some infuse some talent into the team. Uh, it just feels different. You know, adding the two lottery picks and and Jang and and Jalen Williams is just like you definitely feel different about this team. And like J Dub, we hadn't really talked about him a lot. I mean, I would be floored if he didn't play at least like eighteen minutes tonight. Yeah, I, I would be su- I would be surprised and disappointed. Yeah, if if he didn't, just because. More than, I'm trying to think of the last Thunder rookie that looked this ready to go. And part of that is that J-Dub is a little bit older than the average Thunder rookie. Yeah. I mean, you know, Poku was 18. Jing is, was 18 when he was drafted. Um, like, I mean, the oldest rookie, I believe, was Mitch McGarry, like taken in the first round <laughs> in recent memory. And, and to be fair, he did look ready to play. <laughs> He did. He, he did look ready for He did not play much that season, though. He really didn't play he much did. until the end of the season just because they didn't have time for him. Um, but I, I just I can't remember feeling this way about a prospect, like a rookie, where it's like game one, I'm not just interested in watching him play because he's a rookie, which is the case for like Usman Jang or, or back in Poku's year. Like I, I just wanted to see Poku play. Like You drafted him. You, you traded up for him. Just put him out there and see what happens. That's not the way I feel about J-Dub. No. J-Dub, it's like, he's already part of this rotation. He's already part of the team. Like He's already locked in. You have to play him. Yeah. I expect like expecting him to be on one of the all-rookie teams as long as he yes. plays enough games. Like Yeah. But, like, I Which would might be unfair, but I've seen no evidence to dissuade me from that opinion. So Yeah, and he didn't even shoot the ball well from deep in the preseason. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is something that I think he will be a solid shooter from D. He better if, if I'm going to hit my bold prediction, Andrew. I really need what was, J-Dub what to was come it? through. What was it again? <laughs> that they are going to be top half in three-point percentage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you looking pr- you look feeling pretty good about that after preseason? I was until uh, uh, Steve Thunderfan, Stephen Dolan, like broke apart their three point percentage against NBA teams versus like Maccabi oh, and see this. Uh, Adelaide. Yeah. And it was a massive difference. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I don't like breaking things apart. So I put them back together and the overall percentage still made me feel pretty good. What was so. the percentage against NBA teams? Uh, oh, it was down like at 32%. It was like yeah. basically what they were last what year. They were last year. Yeah. 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 Small I, sample, small sample. Still feeling good. Yeah. I feel good about the kind of shots that they get. Uh, I don't know that they're ready to make a ton of them. Uh, how we, how are we feeling about Josh Giddy's shot, by the way? He's worked just a little bit with Chip England. 
you know, for basically just a few weeks. But yeah. how are we feeling about his shot? Um, I mean, the, the the and you could say this last year when it, nothing was going in for Josh. The biggest thing is how confident he is. Yeah. The yeah. fact that he is, he's not going to just take one or two a game. Like, he is going to get those shots up. And, you know, it's tough because you want to believe that, like, oh, we're done. Like, he shot 50% or whatever it was in preseason. <laughs> like, hey, send Chip home. Yeah. Move him on to someone else. Yeah. Giddy's ready. Yeah. And I know it's not going to be like that because, you know, Josh's shot and just his body movement in general is unique compared compared to other players. Yeah. Definitely. Like, he doesn't look like the traditional idea of what I think a basketball player would look like. Mm-hmm. Like a high-level basketball player mm-hmm. when he's making all, all of his moves, when he's driving, all of that. So I have to kind of allow myself to believe a little bit because there's a part of me that knows his shot's never going to look like Ray Allen. Like, it's yeah. never going to be this silky smooth, beautiful, oh my gosh, the mechanics are perfect here. Right. It's never going to be that. It, if he does become a good shooter, it is probably going to sneak up on me where like, yes, he's making these small but major changes to his shot, but for a, for a casual observer, his, his shot still looks like a little goofy. I mean, I will say that he's not doing weird as much weird stuff with his legs mm-hmm. when yeah. he's shooting. That looks more um, consistent, which is yeah. part of the process for sure. Which is good. But yeah, I do feel like it's probably just going to sneak up on me. And so I'm, I'm feeling pretty optimistic going into the season after what I saw, both because he made a lot, but also just because he is so willing to shoot. Mm-hmm. So if he's taken four, four a game, four, five a game, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, in 22 because, minutes, he took three. So you would he'll take four yeah. or five in 30-plus minutes that he'll play. Because the other part of this, which I haven't mentioned yet, is, hey, this is this is Shea Giddy tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is the combo. We haven't seen it in a really really long time. Last time we saw it was the not playing a game. What's it going to look like tonight? Yeah. And if it does, I personally I feel like it's going to look more similar. Like I feel like it'll it won't look dramatically different. Like it'll kind of yeah. be like last year, which means that Josh will probably need to be taking those catch and shoot threes definitely playing off of Shea. Yeah. And so he's going to get the opportunities and no, who, who, who would you guard on this team from three? (laughs) Who would, if you're defending, who would you actually worry about? Who would you close out on at the, at the expense of not like getting in the lane to worry about Shea driving only Shea and maybe Trey. Like yeah, Trey, Trey would be yeah, yeah, yeah. off the bench, Trey, for sure. Trey Manning would be the other one, but that's it. That's it. I'd let the rest of these guys shoot. So hopefully <laughs> Giddy gets a lot of like wide open attempts he will. to start perfecting the shot. Yeah, he'll get wide open attempts. The, I mean, that's what you do against the Thunder team. You're like You pack the paint, and you don't let Shea get there. You don't let Giddy get yeah. there. You know, who, you know, Dort will barrel to the basket, too. Uh, you don't let that happen. That's how you, and that's that's what will be interesting about tonight is just the way they defend the Thunder team, because they, they're this is a giant team, the Timberwolves. Like even like, uh, Jaden McDaniels is big, you know, 
from yeah, what the is three spot, uh, dude? Anthony Edwards is is big. He's a beast. Yeah. So who? So who? What is their starting lineup? So it's D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, McDaniel's, Cat, Gobert, Cat, Gobert. Yeah, they're giant. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's and in comparison to the Thunder, they're gonna they're gonna be pretty small. Um, Giddy obviously has a ton of size. Like you feel good about that. Um, and you know it's another shame about Chet, but if like Chet was playing, like you'd feel good about the size of the Thunder. Like then like things change a little bit, but um, yeah, for now they're going to be small. I think it's intentional too. Like I think it's intentional to not have anybody like really occupying the center spot. That's going to make a huge difference. Uh, I think that's intentional. I think that's a, that's a strategy to not win games. And it's a strategy. <laughs> Although, and it's a strategy like looking- to like move, move forward with the offense that they want to, but yeah. Looking say? at the last couple of years, though, because that that has felt like the plan, yeah. And yet, at the same time, these guys who they've have brought in have all ended up like going on to make an NBA roster. True. Moses Brown like, is in the league. Moses Brown, Isaiah Roby Olivier is in Sarr. the league. Olivia Saar is Roby. somehow in the league. I mean, holy <laughs> smokes! You know, Daikite, I do not think is in the league. He is. He got he got signed. He to is two way deal. Yep, Daikite did. Wow. Yep. Okay. So it's like all of them. All of them. Tony Bradley is he in the league still? Mm. I don't know that Tony made it. Yeah, he's the only one that I don't know about. But yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, anything, anything else for tonight that you're 
looking forward to seeing as like a f- basically the fully formed version of this 22-23 Thunder team. Okay, so you you and uh, McKelly talked about this on Monday. Mm-hmm. And and you and you brushed it aside saying, "Oh, it's preseason, who cares?" And McKelly, he's already worried about it. It was Dort's usage. Yeah. And uh and that stuck out to me too, especially mm-hmm. in that first game, which you may be right. You know, it's his first time playing in a while. Why not just get out there, shake off all the cobwebs, and just dominate the game, take as many shots as you want. It's preseason. Who cares? Yeah. I agree with you. Uh-huh. But I'm still ultimately waiting to see some type of change. And if it's going to happen, maybe we'll get an inkling of it tonight because Shea is playing. Yes. Because Giddy's playing. And because he has a really tough defensive matchup with Anthony Edwards. He's going to have to be expending a lot of energy on that end. No question. And so I'm very interested to see what Dort looks like on offense in this in this first game. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I think it will be interesting to see because I I don't even with this squad, I don't think Dort can keep up the usage, especially with guys like J Dub and Trey Mann looking like they're ready to contribute. Whereas like at the beginning of last season, it really through a lot of last season, those guys, obviously Jalen Williams wasn't here, but Trey was really up and down, really, really up until the end of last year. Trey's ready to contribute at like a pretty real level. And with Shea, who's going to be the engine of the offense, and Giddy, who is going to play more minutes and take more possessions, yeah, what does that look like? I'm very intrigued because I – I think in, with Chet here, it's it's a very obvious that like, okay, now Dort, like you're very clearly like the fourth or fifth guy in the starting lineup. And you are to be opportunistic with your shots and possessions. And then you're going to be like the best defender on the team. And that's great. Uh, now it's a little murky he still might be the second leading scorer on this team. Like that's as much as yeah. we love Trey, as much as we love uh, J-Dub and Giddy, uh, there's still a pretty significant chance that Dort is the second leading scorer on this squad. Yeah, that is absolutely true. And when you're thinking about, uh, you know, Anthony Edwards is a really tough defensive matchup for anyone. Like you really don't want to throw Trey out there on Anthony Edwards, ideally. Yeah. But you do have guys like Wiggins off yeah. the bench. Yeah. Wiggins you have Kenrich, play. who yeah. could potentially match up with them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I just want to see how... It, I guess what I'm trying to figure out, and we won't know this for a few games, is how much is Dagnot going to play this night tonight? Because even though we kind of felt like he did that last year, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw a lot of different rotations... When everyone was healthy, he was rather consistent with who he was playing. I mean, we can remember the major changes like Bayes moving to the bench yep. and then Bayes coming back in the starting lineup. Is If everyone stays healthy, because that ultimately was the thing that changed everything, either blowouts where you're playing everyone off the bench or yep. eventually guys are getting hurt and you're forced to make lineup changes. What if they get a really healthy year? or at least like opening couple months of the season. How, how does that affect this desire to kind of explore 
the roster. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think it will. I don't think it will change much about the way that they. I think that there'll be times where they're like, "Hey, Kenrich, you gotta sit for a couple weeks." Well, you can do that with Kenrich, but like they're not. I don't think they're gonna sit healthy. SGA Dort game. not healthy. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right about that. I I think that's where you move around. Like I think that there will be time where there'll be, "Hey, Darius, like you're gonna sit for a little bit." Um, but I I think that like the mainstays, like the starting lineup, will change. <clears throat> Basically, just at the big spots, I could see them playing around with it a little bit. Where maybe they do try Mike there just to see what it looks like with the stretch big, more of like a a sure sh- like shooter from the center yeah. position. Uh, I think that there could be times where they do start Darius. Um, I don't know that Jay will will get a chance to start, but I think there will be times where he will come off the bench and play minutes, and they won't play Darius at all. But yeah, I don't. I don't think it would be at the expense of Shea, Giddy, Dort. Like I don't, I don't think it would be at the expense of those guys at all. But I think everybody else, even Poku, will have probably some times where he doesn't play as even much. Even Poku? Even Poku. Wow. Even, even tight-screwed Poku. Hmm. Um, yeah. Now, are you having to do a Daily Ding tonight? I'm on Mondays, so I don't have one this week. So, oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm on Monday nights this week. I was just wondering, because there's a lot of good games on tonight. <clears throat> a lot of good games. There's, Obviously, it's the first yeah. game of the season, so they all look kind of good, but there's some <laughs> choice ones. For instance. Yeah, what are you looking forward to? Orlando-Detroit. Yeah. That's... For multiple reasons. Obviously, I'm, I'm high on Orlando. I'm not high on Detroit. These, who knows? They could both be potential... Uh, tanking compatriots again, yeah, or or maybe one or both of them break out. So I kind of just want to see how that looks. Game one, mm-hmm. um, New Orleans, Brooklyn. Ooh, yeah, I like Ooh. That. Zion, Ben Simmons. Yeah, that's fun. That's very amazing. Fun. Uh, Cleveland, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's juicy. Yeah, they're, they're juicy. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, uh, honestly, Nick's Grizz. Yeah. Nick's Grits. That's, I like that. that. Uh, Dallas Phoenix, a, re, a rematch. A rematch of the West Finals is very fun. Oh, the West Finals. And oh. then the the game closing it off, Yeah, uh, partly because I live in Portland, but Blazers-Kings, I mean, those are two teams that I feel like most people just do not understand right now. They either aren't ready to go all in with the Kings or they're not all ready to go all out with yeah. the Blazers. Yeah. Like both of those teams are kind of just hovering around like – are these play-in teams, or are the or are one of these teams going to be the first team out? Yeah, the, uh, the dreaded eleventh position. Slater mentioned this on Monday's episode of Tampering, but like that's a game that has like if like none of these games really have stakes, but if any of them do, that one kind of does because a a win against a, a rival like that is going to matter at the end of the season, and because. Like uh, in terms of a vibes check, like the Kings have been running on vibes this oh, preseason. Oh yeah, man, it's been it's been everyone's glorious. feeling good. Oh, if you win beautiful. that first game against the Blazers, like that boost of confidence. Oh man, it, it'll be like feel, it'll be like Bing Bong with the Knicks last year when they beat the Celtics. On the flip side, if they lose, like 
how could you not as a Kings fan already start thinking like, oh my gosh, did <sighs> I hype myself up yes, too I much know. again? Yeah, this is definitely, it has, like, it, it could have implications for the play-in or the playoffs, but it definitely has implications for the the mood and the, feelings of Kings fans. Yeah, the psyche of this. And, and same with Blazers because yeah. Blazers, in the Blazers fans' head, it's like, listen, when this, when this, when Dame is healthy, this team has been good. <sighs> yeah. This team has been a playoff team every single year. I think one year they were in the play-in with Dame, but they've been like in that top eight position. Like, is is that going to continue or is something fundamentally changed about this franchise? <laughs> and and I think that first game will will tell them a lot as well. Yeah. We also get the ultimate stinker game with Hornets oh, Spurs. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even want to talk about that one. I didn't want to think about it. Yeah. That's those those could be the two bottom teams at the end of the season. I really want to see actually I don't want to see it. I want to look at the box score after the game is over. <laughs> uh, Denver, Utah, because oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there is I've I've seen numerous uh, like preseason predictions of like how the different conferences will finish, mm-hmm. where they will have Utah as like the 11th seed or maybe like the 12th seed, and maybe that is the case. Maybe that's how it ends up. But that would be a failure. Like if you are, <sighs> I can't imagine away, Danny Ainge would let that happen. That's that's what the part I don't get. People think that he's going to be satisfied with that. It's the only thing they can control is yeah. their own pick, and they're doing it in a year where everyone is over the moon about the draft class, and they're just going to be happy getting the seventh or eighth best odds. Right. It's impossible to me, and so I kind of want to see from game one. Not are there shenanigans, but like, are they really playing like Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson thirty-two plus minutes a game? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Olenek, who I drafted on my fantasy team, saw that. Saw that. I just didn't even know he was on the Jazz. Honestly. Well, <clears throat> I'm a little worried now because I've been reading some good buzz about Walker Kessler, and uh, <laughs> it seems like maybe I need to already jump on that bandwagon, preempt it. Because yeah. let's be honest, if they if they do what I think they're going to do, yeah, Walker Kessler is probably going to be playing a lot of minutes as a rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You play a rookie big, and he is a sure. he's a he's he could potentially be a fantasy goldmine. I mean, he was a big blocks guy in college. He was big. He might also only be able to play ten minutes a game because he fouls out. Well, that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but if he can get five blocks in those 10 minutes, five, I'd be happy. Blocks. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, the Thunder play the Timberwolves tonight. Any other Thunder excitement that you'd like to get out of your system before we see them actually play a game tonight? I'm, I'm so excited to see what it really looks like because they the preseason competition uh, was not primo. It was not very good. And so I'm, Josh I'm, Primo. I'm excited. Yeah, we did play Josh Primo. It was Primo. It was exclusively Primo. Uh, I I want to I want to see what they look like against a real NBA team and like how to, how the offense functions, how, what they look like defensively. I want to see what that looks like. My, in my head, in my heart, actually, forget my head. My heart, the Thunder are winning tonight. I am. I want to make a formal announcement that I am choosing dumb this year. Yeah. And it's an I easy will... year to choose dumb. I, I would agree. Why, I, I Why is it easy? 
I, I just don't no, think it's brave. I don't think it's the the same the same pressure as a Thunder fan for like like we if we don't get good odds this year, it's gonna be really yeah. bad. You know, like we don't have that same. There's not that same feeling. It's like okay, we have Chet coming back. If we can get a yeah, top and five honestly, pick in this next jumping draft, up to two good. last year. Yeah, it starts giving you this like cocky confidence where it's like wherever we end up, we're going to jump up. Doesn't even matter. We're, we're the eighth best odds. We'll jump up in the top four. Yeah, I, don't even need to worry about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think if you walk away with like a top five or six pick in this next draft, I think you'd be feeling pretty good. One because I, I would think agree this, this draft is really good, um, and also like after what Sam has done the past two drafts, and he's only had two drafts. I, I mean. You have to be feeling great about what he could do with uh, the 23 draft. You know, if he does get like the fifth pick in that draft, I think that you're feeling pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely be feeling awesome. But yeah, I'm choosing dumb. I'm going to be uh, rooting on the thunder. I'm not going to be thinking about, I'm, I'm going to try to ignore the odds because one, because it, it does get exhausting. Yeah. At some point during the season, when you're so, when I'm getting so anxious about something that's going to happen in five months, right. but also because this season in particular, despite what the national pundits might say, Andrew, <laughs> I think there are teams that are so clearly worse than the Thunder, and and who are so clearly more incentivized to lose yeah. than the Thunder. No question that it's not really worth my time, like trying to daydream about you know, getting the worst odds. Yeah. And obviously if there's a huge injury, then that changes everything and I will immediately shift perspective. Sure. But while we're healthy, I'm, I'm ready to go, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. This season is about like just development of all these guys and, and what they can, how they can use this season to develop Shea, Giddy, Dort, Poku, Trey man, you know, Wiggins, J-Dub, Jang, like that's what this season is about. It's about developing those guys because there are a lot of guys to care about. There are a lot of guys that I think matter and that will be a part of this team. Like this is, I mean, this is now feeling way more like it did when the Thunder first got here, where it's like, yeah, these these are good. Watson, <laughs> Johan Petro, Eton Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it's it feels like. We ha they have players that are going to make this climb, that are going to start the trajectory of this team to actually move up. And I think that's why I've been I've been more um, combative. I've tried I've tried to keep it to myself, but more combative with some of the <laughs> in your own head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in my own head, uh, with like some of the national talk about the Thunder this year. Yeah, because for the first time. You know, I've always been one to say, like, listen, we're in this bubble of this team. We're obviously going to think all of these guys are going to end up being great. Yeah. Um, you know, I was joking with John Hamm on Twitter that, like, if Hornets fans listen to some podcasts back from spring 2021, they're probably feeling pretty good about them picking up Teo Maladon. Mm -hmm. So I, I have that in one part of my brain. But the other part of my brain just, like, looks at this roster and finally kind of sees the vision yeah. and, and what they're building because there's enough guys now where it's actually affecting the play on the court. Yep. And I feel like, and now I'm looking at the, the national observers saying, you guys are missing this. Yeah. Like you're missing this. This team is different 
from the team of the past couple of years. Yeah. Like even if they wanted to be the worst team in the league, as some of you think they would, that, that they are like, that's going to be really hard because the way that they're playing, like the talent is catching up now. Yeah. Well, where, where you're, you're not just slotting in random guys. You are slotting in guys who actually make sense for the future of this team. Yeah. Well, and the way that people talk about Shea and like what he should and should not want to do is like just shows like the the fact that people don't really quite get it and really don't quite get where the Slender team is heading. Because well, <laughs> like just the thought that he would want out now, I think is is on its face just kind of silly. It just doesn't it wouldn't make any sense because this team is now like they've proven, like, hey, we've we've got some good draft picks. Like, there's good players that you can actually grow with and develop with. Like, as opposed to, and like the situation that it gets compared to all the time is Donovan Mitchell. Like, why did Donovan Mitchell want out of Utah? One, he had a terrible relationship with Rudy Gobert. I think it was probably like the biggest one. But also, like, they traded for an aging Mike Conley, who was taking up a large percentage of their cap, and it was not very good last year. Bogdanovich is an older player. They they surrounded this 21-year-old with all these older players. And then you get to the point where it's like, okay, now I'm looking around, like who's going to grow with me into this next era of Utah Jazz basketball? Like all these guys are are older. And they're like yeah. more like seventh or eighth guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah Jared know? Butler, a guy you might be excited about. Yeah. Oh, at least we have one young guy coming up. He's gone. He's gone. And... That's that's partially why he wanted out. And I think that the Thunder found themselves in a situation where they could have looked at Shea after the Chris Paul year and said, you know what? Let's let's just try to win. Let's just hang on. Let's hang on as long as possible. And I think if they would have hung on, and a lot of people criticize the Thunder for bottoming it out and like getting to where they are today. But you could argue that had they hung on to that team, like now you have aging Steven Adams. Danilo Gallinari, who is like basically a non-existent as a player. Dennis Schroeder, who's become a minimum player in the league. You have Chris Paul, who was good last year, but how much longer can he be this good? And also, you take the ball out of Shea's hands, and like, is Shea a max player if Chris Paul is his the guy next to him? Like, I don't know. That's a situation that I think Shea could turn around and look at and say, man, even with the additional draft capital coming our way and the fact that we picked... 23rd in the draft the past two years and got guys that really won't contribute. Um, this is a situation that he might want out of rather than we've got Giddy. They have Chet coming back next year. They have J dub. They have potential like these, like this pocket of guys that have potential and Jang and Poku and whoever else and that you want to put in there. Trey man, there's guys that he could actually grow with. And whenever he's 25, 26, like Giddy is going to be a really good player. Chet, I think will be a really good player and they'll be actually ready to compete whenever he's 25, 26, rather than Donovan Mitchell looking around. He's 25 saying, who is going to do this with me? Who's going to be here? I think that's largely why he wanted out. And then you look at Shea, like why would he want out now? They gave him a max contract after he hadn't won anything. He hadn't done anything like to impact the league. He hadn't won, but they gave him a max contract anyways. He didn't take the player option. They're building a team essentially for him to grow with. 
you want to eject out of this situation? It's just, when you look at it at its face, it doesn't make any sense. But, like, people, again, this is, like, people outside of the Thunder not really understanding what they're building and what they're trying to do. And also the fact that they they basically don't have picks. They have one pick in this next draft, and they've kicked everything else out to where it's we're in the primes of Shea, we're entering the prime of Giddy, we're entering the prime of Chet. And you know what? We have four picks in in a draft where we have these guys in their prime. Now, what can we do with that? Can we take those picks and move up in the draft? Can we trade them to get a player where now we actually know what we need? I mean, that's that's going to be the really interesting thing is like with the last Thunder team, they didn't have draft capital when they entered like the primes of, you know, Westbrook Durant. They didn't have yeah. picks. They're going to have picks, like a lot of additional picks whenever they enter the primes of these players. And that will be the really interesting thing is like suddenly the Thunder are players for who whatever X player that's, unhappy with the situation to bring him in to OKC and add like a really big piece. That's not going to happen this year. That's not going to happen next year. I've talked about the summer of 23 as an inflection point. I don't think that's a point where you bring in a, a big time player. I think that's where you, I think you wait still until these guys are 24, 25 years old and you know what you've got. But to me for Shay to want to eject out of this situation today, I think is just on his face, just ridiculous. Well, I, I think, and, and Thunder fans should recognize this, that like it's really hard to know all 30 teams at the level of a fan. Oh, it's like, actually impossible. It, it is impossible. And for some reason, we never, like like the national pundits never acknowledge this. Like what they're doing is actually impossible. Mm-hmm. There are like maybe a handful of guys that I actually trust their opinion on any given team. For the rest of us, you know, I throw out a name like Cavs. If you're thinking of a topic in your head, you say, uh, oh, can, uh, can Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell fit together? You know, like we all have these like go-to mm-hmm. talking points about any given team, and it just becomes kind of like hack at a certain point. And for the Thunder, that talking point has become, oh, well, Shea obviously has to leave. Right. And it's become so much the talking point that, you know, people just, it, it's their default mode. Yeah. It's, default mode it's the only thing they know people, how to talk about with this team. Because most people aren't watching the Thunder. And by the way, that's fine. Totally fine. Like, you can't watch all 30 teams. It makes However, sense for them not to watch them. If you wanted to be just like slightly smarter, <laughs> all you would have to do is just say, oh, I wonder if Shea and Giddy can play together. Like, that is a talking point sure. that, you know, I think about. Yeah. And that would be a perfectly fine topic of conversation that actually like makes sense. And, and it's something you could talk about that's kind of like a, not a negative aspect, but like a questionable aspect yeah. about the Thunder franchise that you have questions about. That would be totally normal thing to do, but everyone defaults immediately to Shea getting traded or not. Yeah. And that's why I would say, PSA, as we start a new uh, basketball season, if you would like to learn more about other teams, listen to the fan podcast. Yeah, like you will true. learn more in an hour of whatever random podcast you listen to than listening to a national pod, even though I recognize that we do a national pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I am kind of uh, I'm kind of going against myself and listen here. Listen to the Saturday Slam and Jam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but seriously, like I learned more about the, especially last year. A great example is last year with the Blazers. Mm-hmm. No one understood what they were doing at the trade deadline. Yeah, I listened to like two Blazers podcasts of a guy who I know is plugged in with the GM because the GM was just on their podcast yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, and I I can hear what the GM's thinking is through through Danny, who's the yeah. host. Yeah, yeah, and like that's the way you can learn about these teams because nationally it's going to be a lot of like whatever the base conversation topic yeah. is. Right. Everyone just feeds off that same one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, the chum, the chum bucket. <laughs> oh man. Well, basketball is back. We are fully back. Basketball's back. We got a thunder game tonight. We will break it down on the fry pod. This we'll break week. it down. We'll break it down with Hank. I'll break it down, Hank. Uh, it's going to be a very fun podcast on Friday, so be sure to join us. You'll usually start around six, between 6.15, 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. So if you're up early, you can join us on the stream. Be sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Down to Dunk Night, November 3rd, against the Denver Nuggets. It's great to know that Shea's healthy. Because whenever we started playing this, I was like, I'm not sure if Shea will play in that game. Uh, but I'm as, as long as something doesn't happen, he will be playing in that game, which will make it just more entertaining. Uh, Alex, you'll be there at Dunk Night, which is great. Uh, so you'll be able to uh, hang out with us before the game, hang out with us during the game. And then after the game, we're going to take a big group picture which is one of my favorite things. And then we'll get to do the half court shot competition uh, for a chance to win courtside seats to a Thunder game of your choice. I mean, what a prize. I mean, that's unbelievable. So be sure to go to at down to dunk and you can find, I'll, I'll go ahead and retweet it. So it's toward the yeah, top. Retweet it, get it out there. Of our Twitter profile. And, cl- and clip that video. Cause I love the idea of you talking and Hank just slowly falling asleep to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will definitely do that. But join us for Down to Dunk Night. It's going to be so much fun. It was, oh man, it was a blast last year. And it's going to be great again this year. So be sure to and join it's, us. It's Wait, was last year, when was last, last year was in November? I believe it was, yes. Yeah, it was. Okay. Why, why does this feel like, why in my head is this game going to be better? Um. Why is it going to be better? I don't know. They played Miami last year. Miami's just like a really good, solid team. The Thunder have kind of struggled yeah. against, and the Thunder have traditionally just played really well <laughs> against Denver. So I think that's part of it, uh, and that's part of why I picked that game because I was just like, yeah, there's there's a chance that they perform really well against the Nuggets. Um, oh, Aaron Wiggins got 20 minutes in that Miami game. That was a good game to be there, I guess. Yeah, it was it was not the most fun fun game, but uh, this game I think I think it has some juice to it. So be sure to did join you us. see real quick? Did you see the Jokic quote about Jamal Murray? No. He somebody asked him like, "Are you excited to play with Jamal Murray again?" And he said, "Oh yes, of course. I love playing with him. I know he's going to be terrible for the first twenty games." Um, <laughs> he basically like said that. <laughs> which is like probably true probably true but it was just funny for him to say it like that it's oh, amazing it's so good uh well join us november 3rd against the nuggets we will start at the tap house which is in the omni uh go to the game together and then again half court shot contest and a group photo 
it'll be a blast. So be sure to join us. Hope you guys have a wonderful Wednesday. Enjoy the basketball, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday.